Welcome back to a part two of our mentorship series that we decided to go with. So get ready and find out what a mentor and a mentee are and what it means to us. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am it. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. So last week, we got into uh, the whole mentorship aspect, Ed. I mean, did, I, I, don't, I know that I took a lot from it. What, what about you, man? Yeah, last week's, uh, last week's show was really good. We talked about like uh, really, what, eight different pieces of mentorship. And I think we really went into mentorship in each one of those pieces. Um, and I gained some stuff. I mean, you know. Uh, learn something so continuing to lifelong learn yeah that's exactly yeah and those eight those eight aspects that we had talked about are, are eight elements were direction coaching support goals training motivation advice and success and what i'm excited about this is we talked about it and we really discussed what we thought about it and, and how we looked at it but now it's how you correlate that to the actual mentor or the actual mentee, you know, like those, those two roles, because without those two roles, there is no mentorship. I mean, period. So, I mean, I think, I think the audience, they're going to see that what we have to say and what we've, we've done our research on, it's actually, it's pretty informative. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a lot of good information we found, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, so once we understood mentorship, right, with the last episode, the mentees and the, so when we talk about mentorship, for me, I usually think of the mentor having roles and responsibilities, but I really never thought in depth about what's the mentees' roles and responsibilities until we start researching for these shows. So I look forward to learning some more today about their roles and responsibilities and sharing that uh, with our instinctive audience. Yeah. And I would definitely, I mean, to tell you the truth, I would tell the audience is as we go through the qualities, because we're going to talk about 10 qualities, discuss those, and we're actually going to link them up to something that you found, Ed. And then also at the very end, we're going to talk about the actual uh, responsibilities, like you said, which I mean, to me, yeah, you, you don't think about the responsibilities as much. You, you think about, okay, well, the mentor has to have all the, all these responsibilities, but you never think about the actual mentee and you know, what's their job in this other than to just learn and, and learning is part of it, but there are other things too. And I think it's going to help, it's going to help clear up some of that muddy water, you know? Um, but I think we would we'll just dive right into it, man. What are you thinking? Hey, all right, let's go into the deep end. All right. To the deep end, 10 qualities of a good mentor slash mentee. Willingness to share skills, knowledge, and expertise. That's number one. So willingness to share skills, knowledge, and expertise. Have you, Ed, let me ask you this, man. Have you ever been in a situation where you literally felt like somebody was trying to hoard all the knowledge and they, they didn't care about what other people figured out because they wanted to be the, the uh, subject matter, ex, matter expert or the SME or the SHME as we call it. You ever, you ever had that issue before, man? So you do. And funny enough, in our previous uh, job working together, you saw that sometimes some people just enjoy teaching land navigation. And, you know, and then they were like, well, I'm combat arms. It's easier for me. I'll teach it. But then um, in my situation, the guy that was doing that, not sharing that information, 
he was involuntarily removed from the job. And then I was thrust into a position to have to teach this. And I had to outside, get some outside resources to come help me learn to teach that class. Oh yeah, man. And, and I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were my outside resource. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, so it's funny because the way you related that too, uh, in, in the career field that I've had my whole career and dealing with, you know, being a, electric you know basically an electrician slash armament guy slash avionics type thing slash uh whatever on aircraft there are those guys that they are very very tuned into the aircraft and they know how to do this and do that and they know how to fix this and they know what systems lead where and they always want to be the one that fixes the problems and they and what always bothered me is there was no willingness to grab somebody and say, Hey, come with me. Let's go learn how to do this together. Or, Hey, I know how, I've seen this before. Let me teach you what I understand. They, they always, it's always felt like they wanted to hoard that knowledge and just kind of be the, the person that everyone wants to go to for, you know, for the answer. You know what I'm saying, man? Yeah. And it's, and it's so ridiculous because, you know, Things like with my situation, things happen. So now that guy's gone and I'm left out there unable to do the job because he didn't, you know, share that knowledge with me. And it wasn't difficult. Like, I think you showed me one time. And then after that, I was teaching it with a high level of success uh, in student scores. So it's just it's not a difficult thing to share your knowledge. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I will tell you, I think we'll hit back upon that um, when we get into one of the other qualities because where you talk about how I showed you one time, I think it has a lot to do with how I showed you and how we were able to kind of adapt. And it basically made it layman's terms. And it was like, oh, well, yeah, that's easy. You know, and it was almost like like a light bulb clicked. I saw it with you. So that's why I I, I want (laughs) to highlight it later when we get to another area. But hey, so we talk about it says willingness to share skills, knowledge and expertise. A good mentor is willing to teach what he or she knows and accept the mentee where they currently are in their professional development. Wow. That says so much like to be able to accept where they are instead of one of those types of people. I was like, I can't believe you didn't know this. One of the guys I work with now, actually. So I have three captains that have been doing this job for a little while and all three of them have shared with me some like crucial piece of knowledge or so that I've been getting mentored by them because they want me to be able to do their job too. And, and they all have shared, you know, whether I'm working with them or not, if I ask a question, I've never been treated like you should know this by now. And I think that's what this is saying. Like, okay, at this level, you should know, but a good mentor doesn't say that a good mentor goes, okay, you don't know it, but let's get you up to where, you know, you probably should be at this point. And they work at getting there. And that's what they've been doing. Um, and actually, I never even thought about it till just this moment, how uh, effective they have mentored me over the last few months. That's awesome. If you think about it as a good mentor, though, and I've heard this throughout my career, throughout my career is you never forget where you came from. If you when you forget where you came from, you kind of lose a little bit of that reality. You know, uh, what's what's real, what's not type thing in, in, you know, whatever job it is. If you remember where you came from, you understand the difficulties. You know, uh, let's say, for instance, all right, we're going to go we're going to go to the army side of things. A private you're dealing with a private and a private comes to you and says, Sarge, uh, I'm they're taking a bunch of money out of my paycheck. Right. And sometimes what the guys what what an NCO will say right off the bat is, what do you mean? Don't you check your LES? 
right? Leave an earnings statement. And the kids will be like, well, um, I don't know what I'm looking at. So right there, that's where, to me, that's a perfect example of the leader or the, the, the mentor forgetting where they came from. They forgot that they were that same person, you know, that did not understand, you know, what's, what's my, you know, my pay stub because, you know, our LES is our pay stub for the army, but they forgot that you actually have to learn like what all that means because some of that stuff, even I've seen stuff pop up on there. I remember, you know, as an E6 and E7, I'd be like, what in the world is that? Why is that there? You know? Mm -hmm. So it's remembering those simple, small things and not being agitated. Because that's another key thing. And we'll talk about being agitated as a mentor when we get to number two. But what do you think, man? Yeah, I think that's a good good example, uh, the, the whole LES, because it, we all think, well, it's so basic, but it really isn't. And I mean, I can remember, even as a sergeant, I still didn't have a complete understanding of it. And so one of my soldiers was being um, taxed, state tax for Puerto Rico. And um, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I couldn't read the thing right. And then eventually when I figured it all out, I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure Puerto Rico shouldn't have a state tax. <laughs> and, and it was an error, but it was just weird. And because he came to us from another unit. So I just assumed mm -hmm. that he probably knew how to read LES. And then, you know what they say about assume. And it definitely happened to me at that juncture. So. But yeah, the knowledge sharing, knowledge sharing is important. And, and listen, I don't understand the hoarding, Brian. I'll be honest with you, hoarding information, especially in, what, in our jobs, particularly. I'm not saying especially, but just in what we do, because my job is to train that guy to take my job. So if I hoard information, how am I preparing him to take over my job so I can move up? Like I'm failing the organization as a whole. I agree with you. I think there's a lot of selfish reasons why people will hoard information like that. And some of it just has to be, you know, Gary Chapman, he does the book called Five Love Languages, but he also does another one and he goes in it and it's basically like, for instance, uh, and this is how I'm correlating is some people, they just like to be praised a lot, right? Some people, they like, you know, gifts or they like to, uh, they like to uh, receive, you know, time off or, or, or money or things like that. And so what happens is, is if, over time, when you get praise, you know, obviously it, it throws out the serotonin, oxytocin, and it gives you like that pleasure factor, you know, because that's what Simon Sinek talks about. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they hoard that information because now they want to be that prime person, you know, that person who fixes everything and gets all the praise or that person who, who is the go-to always to get things done because they want to feel important. And you can also, you kind of relate to it, like somebody who's a bit of a hypochondriac, if you've ever met one of those before there's always something wrong with them because they always want somebody feeling bad for them. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of weird, but, but that's, I mean, I have a hard time with it, man. Like I really do. Uh, when people hoard information and they don't want to share, you know, willingly share that information and their knowledge or even their expertise, like it really bothers me. And I love to ask them questions like, so what is it that makes you important here? it's so funny when, when you it's just something stupid, small and stupid like that, like I'm not trying to be mean, but I want them to realize that they're just another cog at the same time as they are important. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's weird, man. I just, I hate it. Yeah. And I've worked with some people like that too. And it's also not enjoyable even as their peer uh, sitting right across from them working and seeing them try to hoard stuff because they want to feel important. It's just not, 
it's not a positive vibe at all in a workplace. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing, you know, and that's why when we read that about the mentor and the mentee, now we have to think about the mentee too, because the mentee in this, they need to have a willingness to receive those skills, knowledge, and expertise, right? They can't be shut off or closed to it. Just like the mentor needs to be willing to give it. So it's, it's the give and take thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. All right. You ready to hit number two? All right. What we got? Number two is demonstrates a positive attitude and acts as a positive role model. I love that word positive. Like I probably say that a hundred times a day, man. I'm telling you, I love it. It's just something about like, like I'll look at somebody, I don't know, at least two or three times a day, I'll talk about positive affirmation. And I like to correlate that whole, that positive attitude and positive role model to positive affirmation. You know, cause we have those days, right? You have those days where you're just like, oh, I just want to go home today, eat my <laughs> dinner and go to bed. Yep. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. 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 So when I look at that whole demonstrates a positive attitude and acts as a positive role model, I think that's partly because it is infectious. I think people are they it's you know it's almost like a contagious type thing where if you're positive then other people will do it because they'll mirror you or if you're just positive all the time sooner or later they got to give in or they're going to be a grouch and go on you know where it talks about you know what i read here was a good mentor exhibits the personal attributes it takes to be successful in the field by showing the mentee what it takes to be productive and successful, they're demonstrated the specific behaviors and actions required to succeed in the field. And they do it in a positive manner. What do you, what's your take on the whole positive attitude, positive role model? Uh, so the one thing it kind of brings to me kind of is there's a, uh, a type of a mentor, you know, uh, we call it the anchor is that type of mentor. And just think of what an anchor does, right? An anchor helps to keep a vessel in place. And that positive uh, role model or positive attitude and acting as a role model. So they're your guide to try to keep you grounded, keep you in place and on the path uh, for uh, whatever you're trying to achieve. So as your mentor, that's what they are. They're your anchor. You know what I mean? So not only, and, and so the important thing is they don't mm-hmm. always have to be within that realm either. They could be an outside source, a friend, family member, whichever. Right. But they're the one, they want you to achieve, you know, these specific things and they want to help you. And they, you know, so your anchor is like you. So at the Academy, you were kind of my anchor because I could come over there and tell you how I was feeling about something going on in my particular section. You would listen and then you would come back with questions, uh, open-ended questions to try to get me to think differently or to think more in depth or with a, a uh, think with more breadth to get me to say, oh, aha, got it. And then I would usually say, got it, and just walk out your office randomly. But <laughs> but that's how you, you kept me grounded. You kept my ship where I wanted it to be. So uh, that's why that particular thing reminds me of the anchor mentor. Yeah. I mean, and that makes sense that like that type of mentor being the anchor, you don't want the mentee to drift away. You know what I mean? The engines are off and they're just kind of like drifting in different random directions with no purpose, you know, uh, which falls kind of along the lines when we were talking about our eight mentorship uh, elements, direction, Mm -hmm. direction is a key thing. So the anchor kind of keeps you in support 
support was one of those things and it, and it keeps you within that area. That's what the anchor is. And But at the same time, I really believe when you said that, that the mentor needs to be the anchor. They, they need to the be, uh, they really need that within themselves also because in a sense, you think about it, standards of discipline. We talk about that in the services all the time. There's There are those people who they just let the standards and discipline kind of fade. Then there's those who are just, they're stuck in them. So with that, what it is, is they're upholding that same routine all the time. Let's just think of, we'll change out standards and discipline with positive attitude and positive role model. They're that anchor that you can go to, or you, you that's always there holding you tight to the positive attitude and positive role model type situation. So yeah, man, that's an amazing tie up oh, yes. to that. All right, so let's let's go to number three here. Talks about takes a personal interest in the mentoring relationship, a personal interest. Now we talked yesterday, Ed. We 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 uh, hit upon mentorship as being a relationship. You know, whether it be a live relationship or two people actually connecting, or a relationship that's built because you feel like you know that person because they're really teaching the kind of stuff you're trying to learn. But takes a personal interest in the mentoring relationship both sides, whether it be a mentee or a mentor. Good mentors do not take their responsibility as a like mentor like lightly and whatnot. Instead, they feel invested in the success of the mentee. If you remember, when we talked yesterday, the last step yep. that we said would be kind of the last step is success. So they feel invested in that success. And if you think about it, you know, earlier we mentioned the go-to person and they, they get that, they get that small high because they're, you know, they're praised and stuff. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever felt that way, Ed, when somebody has learned something and they come back and they say, Hey, thanks for teaching me that. Or, um, or I can't believe, you know, I didn't know that before and now I do. And, and it's totally opened up things for me. Like sometimes that really feels good. You know what I mean? Um, a hundred percent. And particularly where we, when we work with those young soldiers at the Academy, getting an email saying, Hey, thank you for teaching me, blah, 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 blah. It's really helped me, man. That's a great feeling on graduation day. When, you know, I, I remember having soldiers who really struggled with land navigation and then they go out there and they find four points, all four points, like four locations, um, in the prescribed time. Obviously, that gives them a dopamine rush because they feel that success and they come back and they thank you for teaching them or spending extra time with them. So even though it's a quick informal mentorship, you as a mentor, you feel like you're invested in them. Mm -hmm. Think about the land nav shack, right? So a soldier comes back with their scorecard. What's one of the first thing we as cadre say to them, even though they're not our, you know, they're not, um, or even though we're not responsible for scorecards or whatever, we always go, how'd you do? Right. Why do we say that? Well, it's because we mentored and helped to develop that skill. And we want to see if they had that success mm -hmm. uh, as, as a, as an informal mentor. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, that kind of goes back to demonstrating a positive attitude and acting as a positive role model form, because when they do well, it's praise when they don't do so well, it's all right, well, let's go back to the basics. What did we learn? You know, so we're bringing them back to that, you know, that standards of discipline or that, that standard, that positive attitude that we learned something, we're going to use what we learn. Yeah. Well, think about when, so when your soldier comes back and says, Hey, I got three out of four, right? They still pass. But then one of the first things we say to them is, do you know what you did wrong? 
Mm-hmm. Right. Well, why are we saying that? Because we're going to be like, oh, so you do recognize what you did wrong to reinforce that skill. And if they say, I'm not sure, well, all right, well, walk me through that process. And then we try to help them find that thing they did wrong. So that's why we had the practice day, right? To adjust those skills uh, as a you know temporary mentor for them on land navigation. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it's funny you said that. Um, what I used to like to say to kids that would do three out of four, I'd be like, was that the moving one? <laughs> <laughs> so I let him know, was that the moving target? Did you not know there was a moving one out there? You know, uh, I'd always got to chuckle. Uh, but you know what's key about this, though? We said you're taking a personal interest in the mentoring relationship. But part of that, and we've talked about it in I don't know how many shows, is communication and communication skills. Like, you really have to have good communication skills to be able to take a personal interest. Oh, yeah. And they also, if you can't articulate the message to them, right, uh, to try to help them figure out what they did wrong or or what have you, then you could also lose that connection that you've been trying to build with that mentee. Oh, yeah. To tell you the truth, I think that excellent communication skills, it falls back on the positive attitude, too, because you've got to be able to communicate these things with the mentee. And and at the same time, let's flip that. The mentee needs to be able to communicate to the mentor. It can be as simple as, no, I don't quite understand, or no, I've never done that before, or uh, no, I don't, uh, I, I've never been in this type of situation. What would you do? That type of thing. So there has to be an open flow. It is it's two-way traffic. There's no one-way traffic. You know, some people will be confused in thinking that the roles of the mentor is just to give you all this information and hopefully you learned it. You know, it's no, it's got to be back and forth, back and forth. Overall, though, a good mentor uh, requires empowering to the mentee. You have to think about their strengths. You have to think about their beliefs. And then you have to also think about this, like the personal attributes that they have. You know, we, in the army, we have all these, you know, we, we have the attributes and competencies we talk about. You have to think about their attributes. And and I really have to, you know, throw in there. You have to think about their talents, right? Because some people are very, very talented at certain things while other things they're not so good at. Um, and, and this is where, this is where I was going with this is, uh, we've talked about basically emotional intelligence before, and some people are really not good at it. Have you ever noticed that like people really don't pick up on those emotional cues and stuff? I So I didn't notice at the time, but looking back, I can notice because I'm going to tell you, I'm one of those people. I wasn't aware it was emotional intelligence, but I was aware of the, the parts of it, if that makes sense. Where I was going with that also, though, is when I've mentored people or I've worked with people before, and if I noticed that they weren't like catching on, they weren't catching these signals from another person, sometimes I'll pull them aside. And this is part of that that personal interest. And it shows personal interest to them because you, if you talk candid to them, like, hey, did you kind of notice what was going on there? Did you notice that person's attitude towards that or how they weren't looking straight at you anymore? They're looking to the floor and they wouldn't talk. They're, that's, a, that's not good. That means that obviously they're either they're shutting you out or they're thinking of something else and whatnot. So you have to re-engage them, you know. It's just small things like that, you know, that I find to be part of the whole mentorship process and be able to have those small, candid conversations to help show them not only are you knowledgeable, but also you have some compassion for them and you want to help them grow, right? Is there anything at all that that one's connected to? I think it's kind of connected to what would be called the champion of your cause. This is someone you can talk to 
uh, or someone that talks about you, talks you up to others. So let's say no, not about not about, it's about you. Talk, like, is yeah. it good or bad? <laughs> no, no, they're talking you. Yeah. Uh, they're talking you up. You know, uh, maybe you're maybe they're in a meeting and they're like, you know, I think Brian will be perfect for this for this job, like for this task. Um, you know, he's really good at Microsoft uh, PowerPoints. He's very good. He's very articulate. He he was an, a facilitator, so he's very comfortable speaking in front of people. I think he's the guy to host this conference for us. I, I just, I think he's very strong in all the key areas. Da, da, da. So I'm talking up Brian. I'm championing his cause. I'm trying to get him up in front of this conference as this, as a speaker. Right. You know, uh, and I'm highlighting some of his strengths to do that. So that's who this person is. This is like, this is my guy and this is why he's great. So like when I came in the army in 1991, you had to have a champion of your cause to get promoted for the first few promotions because they may come down and say hey we can promote one and we've got 10 eligible and go and it, your platoon sergeant would fight for you to get that promotion mm-hmm. and, and so they would champion you as this is the best person right and then the other thing i talked about the importance of networking this is your person this is somebody who may be able to introduce you to other people within your industry within your organization that could prove useful it could strengthen your bond and your network yeah, and the thing is, is it, they have a personal interest in you. But it's not like they're gaining anything from it. They just have, they're just showing, you know, that they have compassion for you, and and they want to try to uh, help you out. So yeah, I mean that's a, that's a good connection, man. I like that definitely. All right, next one, number four exhibits enthusiasm in the field exhibits enthusiasm in the field. A mentor who does not exhibit enthusiasm about his or her job will ultimately not make a good mentor. Enthusiasm is catching and new employees want to feel as if their job has meaning and the potential to create a good life. I really link up to this one a little bit sometimes with the whole somebody not being enthusiastic about their job. Like I engage like, why, why aren't you, why don't you, you don't like what you do? Well, then why don't you change jobs? It's kind of hard to attach to you. You know what I mean? It's almost like, oh, well, there he is again. Don't talk to him. Don't talk to him. You know? And a lot of times those guys, uh, your example right now, just made me think. A lot of times those are your negative, uh, we could say negative Nancy, but it could be negative Ned, negative whatever. But usually those are your negative kind of people and they could be cancerous to your organization if they don't have that uh, that enthusiasm about what they do it can be uh it can almost be difficult too to want to hold a, to like hold a sustainable conversation with them because it's just kind of like that the woe is me type situation and you're just like okay enough man stop you know griping about this you know and even though you want to be a good person and and leave an open ear to it it's almost like oh look at look at the time i've got to go and i gotta go shine my boots and we don't shine boots in the army but i've got to go i've got to go shine them real quick i got some stuff to do yeah i gotta be anywhere but here with you but there is nothing like being around somebody who truly enjoys their job and wants to share it with you especially when it's a real cool job you know what i mean um some jobs it's just like wow that's a lot of stuff like put it this way i've got uh i've got a lot of s6 guys Love my S6 guys to death. Love my, uh, I, I really do love my signal guys. But sometimes when they, when some of them try to start explaining stuff to me, I'm just like, 
yeah, I'm no, I'm not feeling it, bro. Not feeling it. But hey, I'm glad you love what you do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, as long as you're enjoying it. Yeah, those guys are those guys are different sometimes. But it's because they're very interested in that that computer and the networking uh you know capabilities. Yeah. Some people that's just not your thing. But you know, that enthusiasm also infectious right it spreads across an organization pretty quick and i think that's why sometimes leaders who get down and work alongside their soldiers i think that's why you know they're doing an informal type of mentorship but i think that's part of that success though because they get down there and they do it and maybe they're making the best of it and then the soldier's like well maybe it's not that bad uh, look, look how hard brian or you know look how long howard uh master's working he's excited he's enthusiastic about it i should be too and then they follow that suit we hope. Yeah. I mean, and you think about it earlier, we had a conversation before we got on and I started recording. We were talking about one of your, one of your um, heroes, uh, Patton, and you brought up something about that because we were, we were talking about, you know, how people would get disgruntled with him, but they still would always work hard for him. Yeah. Right. And what was that? What, what was it? Uh, so part of it. So he had, uh, he had a command of profanity that he would use in his speech giving. But a lot of his soldiers would acknowledge that, but then say, but oh, he's also fighting on sides. So, like he got in trouble a lot of times for being too close to the front. Uh, there was one instance where the tank wouldn't cross a bridge and you know, Patton's like, well, that's craziness. And he walked across the bridge in front of the tanks himself uh, into enemy fire, you know, but that example, that presence, he kind of was there. And they were like, hey, we would follow him anywhere. And then he loved tank warfare and his enthusiasm for it and how much he read and he studied, right? So his his junior officers, they knew this and they saw this. And they're like, he is so enthusiastic about, you know, what the tank can do to for battle that they wanted to follow him uh, and some of his methods, especially in the early development of tank warfare in the interwar years between World War One and World War Two, But it just shows, though, he was successful uh, with those who were working with him due to his, I, I really feel due to his enthusiasm for what it was. You know, he was a he was a warrior's warrior that he was. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to hit the next one. The next one. Number five. Oh, number five values, ongoing learning and growth in the field values value. I, I like, so this one, you, you enjoyed uh, earlier, you enjoyed positive, but I enjoy this values, ongoing lifelong learning and growth in a field. I like that. Yeah. So you were just going to, we're just going to get rid of the ongoing learning and turn it to lifelong learning. Yeah. Sounds like a plan to me. I mean, I'm, I'm in it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's funny. Um, like before we even actually get into like what we were going to talk about with it, uh, I was just I was just at a little function earlier today, and I was talking with a young officer. Actually, he's not much younger than me. He's just he changed over at some point from being enlisted to an officer. Um, so he's in his thirties, and he and we were talking. He said uh, he was telling me that part of the reason why he left the civilian sector and did not want to go back, you know, he became enlisted because he was uh, he was a banker in the Silicon Valley area. Um, and then when the bubble burst in 08, he had to, you know, find something else. So then he became a police officer in that area. And he said that what he noticed was, and it wasn't, it was, he's not talking about like his coworkers as a police officer, but as a banker, definitely, but more like other people he had to deal with was the lack of values was just 
it was discerning and, and, and it was, and it was kind of sickening to him. He said, he said, that's what made him want to get away from all that and join the services uh, years ago. And, you know, when he said that, I, I told him, you know, I was like, you know, and that's what I would like to be able to get into doing with organizations and peoples is help, you know, really establish those values. And I think if a mentor is helping someone establish their own values or help solidify their own values, they're doing a, a huge justice to the mentee. And at the same time, if the mentee can help grow their values or even show or or talk about and communicate their values to the mentor, then there's a connection that's going to come somewhere in there. Because at some point, they're probably going to mesh up uh, certain values to each other. And I think that's what's going to help them also, you know, with the lifelong learning and then the growth within the field itself because of the connection that they create. Would you say that? Yeah. I mean, so the whole lifelong learning and, and, and growing, it does help. Uh, so think about what you, you know, you and I both do it. And there's several uh, general Mattis did it. Patton was known for doing it. Um, one of the things is reading professional journals and maybe even writing for some of these journals. So we talk about from the green notebook before on our show, they'll, they'll allow you to write articles for their, for, uh, for their website, right? For their, it's kind of a bloggy kind of thing, but they'll allow you to write for that. So these are the things that um, help. So it illustrates that we've developed our expertise, but that's the person who values their ongoing learning and growth in their field. Maybe for you, what you're talking about right now, Choose to teach or attend classes to further develop your knowledge and skills. That's what you're talking about. You would like to be able to offer as far as uh, helping organization get the values as part of their foundation for their success. So I think that that's all uh, pretty good illustrations in this uh, number five. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it talks about when we when we're talking about, you know, the on, ongoing learning and stuff and growth in the field. But good mentors and mentees are committed and they are open to experimenting and learning practices that are new in that whole field or expertise. But that whole, that idea of experimenting, you know, they're not falling into that. Well, this is how we always have done it type mentality and rut. Um, so they're actually like, well, you know what? And we talked about thinking outside of the box yesterday, right? When we were, we were going over like advice and we were talking about uh, training, uh, but that whole, or even coaching, thinking outside of the box is basically saying, okay, well, here's our problem. What are many solutions we could use and, and, and really just brainstorm, you know what I mean? Like, like we used to do in the day with the, uh, with the, um, uh, when we during our facilitation of classes, we, we do a brainstorm real quick and every answer is a good answer until we eliminate it later. Right. Yeah. That, that brainstorm is always one of my favorite things to do. Cause it's, it's easy. I mean, you may get some wild off the, off the grid kind of answers, but there's no wrong answer initially in brainstorming either. So uh, brainstorming is, yeah, that's kind of what this is, but you know what else this is, Brian, this actually speaks to a certain type of mentor. What is it? Uh, the master of craft. Now, if I want to be a better quarterback, right, I'm not going to ask the, the professional golfer at my local course for tips on being a better quarterback. It doesn't make sense. So same thing in your career field, that mentor, the master of craft mentor, you want to find that person who is uh, going to kind of 
be your own personal Jedi master, somebody who's got a lot of wisdom, been around a while. So if you think about how the army mentorship is really actually supposed to work. So you as an E8 should be mentoring the staff sergeants, right? Because it's supposed to skip one kind of. Now you can mentor those E7s, but you're mentoring because you've been an E7, you've accomplished that. Now you're an E8. So you understand the whole realm of being a sergeant first class or E7 to share with that staff sergeant. Now you do have platoon sergeants that work for you that you do mentor, but that's that person, that wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so us in the army as non-commissioned officers, one of our big jobs is to mentor the, the officers. Well, there's a reason behind that because nine times out of 10, that captain has about six years of experience, but that first sergeant has what? 18 to 20 plus years of experience. So the captain is getting mentored by that person with all that experience for a reason. And that's why he's considered the master of the craft. They know your strength. They can recognize your strengths and weaknesses, and they can help you guide you to improve on those strengths. You mentioned there about the whole, um, the uh, honing of the, uh, let's say the staff sergeant, and then talk about, well, you can also do the sergeant class. And then I, I, so in my mind, I see like this, this like diagram, right? And there's, you, uh, you'll see the, the sergeant, you'll see the staff sergeant, you'll see the sergeant first class, but then also, like you said, I'll see the LT and then I see the captain. Right. So those that's kind of like my range, my field as a E8, though, that's my field that I need to concentrate the most on. But I don't single out anyone because I can still mentor, you know, E1 through E4. I can also talk and mentor with, you know, the majors and colonels and all that stuff because maybe there's experience that they don't have that I do. But I, I focus on them. But with each one, I look at the size of their target. Right. And when I say their target is basically their target is like knowledge, uh, knowledge of what it is I may be talking about. You know, that that E5 m- will most likely, most likely, not all, because some of them, there are some who have, have uh, outside experience, will have a smaller target for me to hit. So I have to be very specific with certain things and to help them grow. And then, you know, as the rank goes up, the target's larger because they have a broader um, understanding due th- through experience. So I can kind of like give them generalizations and stuff. It, it's a lot easier to gen- generalize yeah. and use use metaphors and whatnot with an E7 that it is for an E5. Uh, and that's just me, a sergeant or a sergeant class. And, and the same thing, though, goes with the, the officer's side. When I say like an LT and a captain, like two different things. You know, an LT, they're they're uh, trained in college and stuff, but they don't have the experience. So if there's an, if there is an ever an LT and, and I'm, I'm talking about like one that comes straight out of college, not one who was an enlisted person, then it became an LT. If there's an ever an LT that says to me, well, from my experience, I'm just going to look at them <laughs> as if there's something like the, they're, gr- they're something growing on their forehead. You know, I'm looking pretty crazy because <laughs> you say that I'm be like, okay, yeah. Well, tell me about your experience, you know, tell me, tell me more and, about your six months of experience. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and then that doesn't mean to be, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to them or anything. It's just, I have a hard time understanding their experience and I understand they have school experience and that's great. You know what? I had a, um, I had a young LT, when I was going through my college courses that I actually went to him about some stuff. And I said, Hey man, when you're in school, and I didn't say, Hey man, I said, Hey sir, when you're in school and you were dealing with this, but this, this, and this, how did you go about, you know, 
solutions for this. And and he gave me information. I was like, wow, that's great to know because that was an area I did not have an expertise in. I didn't understand at the time. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that whole master of the craft, that Jedi, like you said there, the uh, the Jedi master, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it could be... It can be tricky, man, because like you're dealing with different people, and and that's the other thing. So I, I mentioned ranks. That doesn't throw in personality types. That isn't that doesn't throw in communication types. That doesn't throw in age, because that's another thing. I'm telling you, age is a difference. I don't care where you are. Oh, trust you know, me. If I'm talking to a yeah, <laughs> if I'm talking to a 21 year old staff sergeant, or I'm talking to a 31 well it shouldn't be 31 normally but 31 year old sergeant i'm telling you that 31 year old sergeant probably knows a little bit more than what's you know being led on to be so um but yes yeah, so there's so much there yeah no that, so that's that's funny because when i came back in the army because i had got out the army so i was 30 31 no 30 so i was 30 coming back in the army right and my squad leader was 22 he is a sergeant. Oh, man. My LT was 24, 23, and I'm 30 years old. And these are the guys that were in charge of me because I was a private coming back in. Mm-hmm. You know, so life experience wise, I far, far exceed their 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 experience. Um, and then I had already had time in the military, too. So you might, you know, I have four years of experience. So it was an interesting balance. To be like, okay, this, I mean, I know this dude's 22 and, mm-hmm. you know, but he's in charge. So I had to kind of humble myself a little bit. Yep. But even on the opposite end of that though, or, or the other, let, let's flip the coin on this. You, you were talking about, you were a 30 year old with a 20 year old. I was a 23 year old sergeant who had a specialist who was 32 and I practically had to walk him through life and all i kept asking myself was in, in at a young age too because one i was very cocky and then i also was um uh, very quick to state my opinion in a matter that i didn't care what other people thought but i always i was like how can they, how does this guy even survive in life how did he make it this far you know that was always my question so there there's different ways now could i i when i look back i wish i'd have done things differently i wish i'd have learned i wish i'd have had a mentor that helped me understand how to take care of people but also back then it was basically beat them into submission you know what i mean Uh, oh yeah i remember those days very fondly or not yeah (laughs) the army has definitely changed its ways on things you know what i'm saying so um (laughs) so let's and 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 it's not for the word i'm not saying that in a bad way i'm saying it's for the the good there's a lot of good things that has changed and i am i'm very appreciative of it how about that so, uh, so next one, number six, you got number six here, bud. Number six. Oh, this one's interesting because I really think this is a throwback to the last episode, but provides guidance and constructive feedback. Do you remember which area, Brian, that was in our last episode? Uh, it was a couple areas, man. First thing was coaching. Absolutely. Also, what I actually go back even further. The first one we talked about was direction. I think it falls on that one. I think it falls in coaching. I think it falls into advice, provides guidance, constructive feedback. Uh, I think it could fall in motivation because sometimes motivation is constructive feedback, right? Um, and guidance, yeah, support. That's I mean, it's it's multiple areas. So I I really believe like. If you boil down what a mentor is 
and a mentee, providing guidance and constructive feedback is probably the, if not the most close to being the most crucial aspect of mentorship. Yeah, I so I would almost agree with you because this is one of our key, and we said we're going to go over responsibilities, but this is a key responsibility because, I mean, I could give you all the mentorship in the world, but if I don't give you some kind of guidance, then you're aimlessly wandering around without direction. And if I don't give you some kind of feedback, how are you going to know uh, if if you're doing the right thing to go the right path or if you're doing something that's off the mark? So those things are super important from the mentor to the mentee, uh, providing that guidance and constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about yesterday. Is this excellent? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's just another way of, you know, guidance. Think about it. guidance and feedback. Guidance and feedback are communication. So this is just another area where we have to be able to have good communication skills and we have to be able to be able to adjust our communication to the personality style of the mentee or the mentee has to be able to adjust to the mentor because of personalities, you know, and that's, it falls back into that emotional intelligence thing we talk about. And if you really want to boil down later on in another episode, we'll probably talk about social intelligence because that's just another aspect of it to understand. Yeah. And you know, I think there's a reason that we did, uh, communication influence of communication early in um, the history of this podcast, because it's almost like every episode communication comes up. So it should show how important it really is. And in this relationship here, that's, that's how we develop. I have to, I'm going to communicate to your strengths and weaknesses. We talked about a little bit ago, develop those strengths and weaknesses to improve uh, me as your Jedi master. I just wanted to say I was a Jedi master. Me as a Jedi master, that's a, a slash mentor. That's my job. My job is to help you keep improving. And I do that through communicating um, and, and helping your professional development. Exactly, man. It's, it's right on with it. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. But there comes, a, there comes a time, though, that if we're not able to kind of see through the fog, so to speak, of what's going on as a mentor. Let, let's just talk from the mentor side because now I'll hit the mentee side. But to be able to give the right guidance and sometimes with that. So it's, to me, it can be a scary situation. I don't know how about you, how you feel about it, uh, Ed, but sometimes it can be a scary situation for me because at the same time, I don't know everything. And what if I give them the wrong direction or the wrong guidance? And now something doesn't happen in favor of that person. Now I feel I often I often feel like I've just done something horrible. I, I mean, have you ever felt that way before? Yeah, you you worry about it, and you know, uh, as a young soldier, I played the barracks lawyer role for a little while too, until I realized this is stupid. I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's and it's it is it's slippery because especially when you get into sometimes soldiers will ask you stuff, you know. And they, if they get so comfortable with you, they'll ask you a personal stuff that could lead to maybe them. Maybe they're going to separate from their spouse and they're like, Hey, what do you think about this? And it's like, uh, yeah, I'd rather stay out of that lane. But even at work, same thing. Like sometimes they'll say, Hey, I'm going to try to do this. And, uh, so it, it can be, you know, but that's also why they say that, you know, as a mentor, you're supposed to be, depending on what that thing is that 
it's somebody who's kind of a subject matter expert, the Jedi master, like we keep saying now that I enjoy that. You should be able to make those decisions or recognize that, you know, this really isn't my wheelhouse, but let me do some research on it and I'll get back to you. And then you can go talk to somebody else and explain the situation without names or any, you know, real details or try to figure out something else before you give them that guidance that could lead them somewhere else or, or make sure that the guidance you're giving them is going to work. It's just one of those things where I I often get, I get a little bit uh, antsy about it too, you know? So, well, it's a heavy responsibility, like uh, being a mentor. Yeah. Especially for, uh, you know, a senior level like us, because we're so much older than the soldiers. So they really might value your uh, input and hey let's think about what it does to your credibility if you give them some guidance that does not work out the way you thought it would i mean we damage our own credibility we damage our leadership capital like it's it's a heavy thing to be a mentor it's not something that can be taken lightly and over the last two episodes that's come up several times that mentors do not take mentorship lightly and that's why because it is such a heavy thing yeah that exactly but then think about it too constructive feedback right so when you look at when you think of receiving constructive feedback as a mentee because you've been in that role i know i have too sometimes we allow our feelings to be open or, or we wear our feelings on our sleeves and we don't realize that it's professional constructive feedback and instead we take it personal well and that goes into communication too because constructive feedback and i think that's why we talk about communication so much because constructive feedback can be given in a manner where it feels like you're being attacked and it's not really constructive uh, at that point, you know? Oh, yeah. So that's where that communication communication piece is so important because you as a mentor have to understand that. If I give this feedback this way, you know, that could be a really bad thing. So one of the things that happened recently, we were practicing drill and ceremony and the soldier, I did not know this at the time, the soldier has a stutter. So the soldier is very kind of, you know, shy about doing anything where he's going to speak in front of people. So he's out there marching and I really didn't hear a stutter while he was marching, but he kept messing up. So at the end, they're giving him feedback, but they're giving him a lot of like, well, you you're changing your foot movement to match the cadence and they're supposed to change theirs and da da da. So they're giving all this negative, negative, negative. Right. And so I said. I want you to know something, Sarn. And this is before I knew he had a stutter, too. I said, I want you to know something. You figure this out, and you have the perfect voice for drilling ceremony because he has a nice, deep, loud voice, you know? I said, your voice is made for being in front of people without knowing that he had this uh, this stuttering issue. And he was very receptive and appreciative of it. Uh, after after the formation, he actually said, hey, I really appreciate this, Arn. Yeah, constructive feedback. Why well, beat him up? Like, yeah, he messed up. Got it. So two or three things he did wrong, but nobody was really saying, well, you did this great. And then I just accidentally went into something that he's very shy about anyway and told him how great it was. Then again, it's like we've seen it before when we like AARs, right, where people get a little touchy about things and it, and it turns into it almost seems like it turns into like an attack show. You're like everything's let's just attack, attack, attack. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and that's where we as facilitators, like at least I used to step in and be like, all right, let's switch. Let's uh let's talk about some things they did well. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. And then uh when we were evaluating students, a lot of times I wouldn't evaluate them in front of everybody else. I want, you know, like on the practice times, I want to evaluate them separately. So it doesn't feel like I'm attacking them in front of their peers, um, you know, and, and give them that positive feedback as well. So th- those things are important for a mentorship relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Let's jump into our next little area. Number seven, respected by colleagues and employees in all levels of the organization. Man, that one speak volumes. So let's think about this as a a mentor to be respected by the colleagues and employees in all of the organization. It's critical. Now flip it over. Let's talk about the mentee themselves. They need to be able to earn the respect of their colleagues and employees at all levels. So, so one has already normally earned it. The other one needs to be on their way to earning it. So to me in itself, that's a mentorship piece just on its own. But let's just, let's look at the, the real deal, you know, the deal of respect by colleagues. I mean, have you seen in, in your time where people are just barely making it because they don't have the respect of everyone else around them? Uh, yeah, I've been in a situation like that uh, where the senior wasn't really respected and, you know, but so they didn't really struggle here. Here's the problem that we, in that situation. So they weren't very respected by their subordinates and there was one, two, three, four of us, but we would do a lot of stuff that really was their task. So leadership above them never really saw that, that their failures and shortcomings because it was covered up by the people that person was supposed to be mentoring. So mm. I've seen it, but in that case, it just kind of was a little different. Yeah, but that, I mean, it creates a weird flow of things, though. If those above me are respecting me because they think I'm getting all this done, but then those who are working for me or with me, they know I'm not doing it. So it creates this weird balance that's not really a balance. It's actually uh, it's kind of like a teeter-totter with too much weight on one side. It's not going to work out at all. So I can definitely say that respect from colleagues and employees goes a long ways basically uh, your credentials. Yeah. It's a representation of, of who you are. You know, I told the story a while back about working in a, I was working in a staff sergeant position, right. As a Sergeant E five, but I was going to eat with the Sergeant first classes and they had enough respect for me that they treated me like I was just one of them. So that's something that I worked on and, and, you know, and earned in that organization you know, it's, and it's weird. And I'll be interested to see how it works in the civilian sector because in the military, like you feel like you're so valued in an organization, but honestly, you get assigned to Korea, you move on and the organization doesn't fall or you get signed to Germany. Like, you know, like me and it, it, the organization keeps moving on. The army's old. We just had a birthday. We're old. Um, so I'll be interested in the civilian sector, how things work. Like when you have that, that key cog, right. in your machine and they get moved to another department, does the machine keep rolling or does, you know, does it fall apart? Does it just slow down a little bit and then pick up speed again till it gets back to where it was? I just, I don't understand the uh, civilian side. It'd be interesting when I retire. Oh yeah. Uh, and you know, if you think about it though, <clears throat> we could do a whole show on just earning respect from colleagues and employees. We could, I mean, we could talk at hours about that and, and how it is done and how another person 
uh, has to, you know, uh, the mentee would need to pay attention to certain things just because that's, it's almost like one of those unspoken rules, taking over, leading, mentoring, influencing within an organization that you have. You really have to have be respected by others or no one cares. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it just, that's what I've always felt. I also think sometimes it's just an instinctive thing. Like I've never gone to an organization. Okay. Got to earn their respect. I just do what I do. And hopefully that happens. Um, I, I can't really think of it not happening at any point, but you know, even when I went into that last organization we were at, I felt like I was looked down upon and I, just did what I do, worked how I worked until I earned that respect. Um, so I think it's kind of instinctive sometimes the respect, but I agree we could do an entire episode on just earning respect. Actually, we already did. You didn't even realize it. I did. I just now realized that we did. Um, it was pay the bill for leadership capital. Oh, I guess we did. That's, that's it, man. Yeah, that's that's a complete. No, I didn't even think about it until just now, man. But yeah, it's that's what it is. It's paying the bill for leadership capital because if you earn that respect, you're you know you're going to have some capital built into it. Now, uh, when when we look at that though, is there anything that we could say? Hey, this is what it mimics or anything like that. Well, mentor. Um, actually, I think I feel like it fits into a couple of different ones, not just this one. But there is a, a mentor called the co-pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is absolutely you when we were working together after we were in different pieces of the organization more and it was more appropriate. But this is your best work, bud. This is the uh, the co-pilot is the colleague who can talk you through projects, advise you in navigating the personalities at your company and listen to you vent over coffee. All right. We didn't vent over coffee. But we definitely did some venting in the office together over pre-workout. Um, this would also be uh, George May. Uh, was one that I would look at and he was uh, not the same rank as me, but George may is one of those guys that I would call. He was my co-pilot at one point, you know, in the organization, Cortez, Josh, Wright. So, but definitely you pretty much the whole time we were there together, which is funny because our relationship wasn't that before we went there to work together, but not one bit, but it's still, it's a kind of mentorship and it's a kind of mentorship that uh, is best when it's close to or equally reciprocated. And that, that again, or reciprocal, this is another one, you and I, you know, the same way I did it, you know, I could vent to you. I knew you could vent to me and it wouldn't leave that room. And I may say, Hey, you know, maybe that, you know, these kitty cadre formations, you know, maybe we got to get rid of them and here's why. And we would discuss and um, the SAR major who I always talk about, he used to do this all the time. He could tell when I was upset. He'd make me sit in his office when we were deployed and we would just talk and hash a few things out and I'll bounce stuff. Now he wouldn't really bounce a lot of his issues off of me because of his position. Right. He really couldn't so much, but maybe some minor stuff, maybe something he's struggling with, with school, you know, he may put out there and and I'll be like, Oh, you know, well, what about this? So this is, yeah, this is mutually supporting each other. This is just your your co-pilot, your sidekick, uh, your battle buddy, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, this is this was you for sure. Oh man, yeah. And, and you mentioned there, you said vent over coffee. Instead, we vented over pre-workout, so it's okay. Yeah, pre-workout <laughs> in your office with your Scentsy burning. Oh, you make well, you didn't have Scentsy. You had the Walmart style. It still smelled good. Same thing. Yeah. 
Yes, it did. All down the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to hit on to number eight. Sets and meets ongoing personal and professional goals. Sets and meets ongoing personal and professional goals. I love that part in there about personal. I truly think a, a good mentor, you know, they can be involved in both aspects of your life. Now, there are mentors, just professional ones, and there are just maybe just personal ones. But, you know, to have that type of mentor where you can work about your personal life on as just as much as your professional, that really helps out a lot. You know, of course, then again, not it absolutely. Does. Yeah, it, it's not, not everyone's dealing with the same thing. So you they may not be able to help you with everything or they may not be able to guide you through everything, give you direction. But I'm telling you, with age comes wisdom. And I've often uh, I've often been attracted to mentors who are a bit older than me because I really want to learn from their experiences. I want to learn from what they have done and they help us set those goals by giving that information and kind of kind of feeding the, the, the hungry beast of learning of lifelong learning. And they also not only in the personal side, but also the professional goals. You know, I've got, I've got guys that uh, I'd go to church with one guy named Ray Barger. And he was explaining to me like some of the stuff he used to do for work. And I was like, man, that sounds just like X, Y, and Z. And he's like, that's exactly what it was. It's just, they didn't call it that then. And I was like, Oh, that's just awesome. And it was really about leadership. It was about creating leadership within that organization. But he had worked for these companies in the sixties, right? The sixties and seventies. So, yeah. So, uh, it was organizational culture and organizational leadership. That wasn't a thing then. It wasn't really. It was just go to work, work, go home, be with your family, go to work, work, go home. Be, you know, it wasn't, you didn't think about, you know, the organization in that manner. But he, the way he explained it to me, I was like, man, that sounds just like, you know, building good organizational culture and training them, others to be leaders and stuff. He's like, yeah, that we just didn't call it that. We called it this. And I can't remember what he called it, but that helps me set different personal goals and professional goals at the same time. That's interesting. When you were saying, I was thinking about something like maybe Disney back in the day because, you know, they were super successful, but Disney's always had this reputation of treating all its people like family. So that's what made me kind of think back when you were talking about that time period. I'm like, you know, that I could see that. Like we're just a cog in the machine. We work, we go home, we work, but Disney and their family, they, maybe that's part of their initial success was, you know, your family here. So yeah, that's a, yeah, that's interesting. There's a reason why Chick-fil-A is as big a business as it is and has gained so much. Um, and they're not found because this chicken is delicious. That, that is big part oh. of it, <clears throat> but they're also, they're not found everywhere. You can't find a Chick-fil-A all over the place. There's none here in Korea. I can tell you that right now. Cause if there was, I'd be wasting money there. <laughs> Obviously. Well, not today. <laughs> Not today because it's Sunday, <laughs> but but that's what I'm saying though. The same culture that you're talking about, that's the same thing that they they produce there. You know, it's always it's always nice. But the key thing though, a good mentor continues to set a good example by showing how their personal habits are reflected by their personal and professional goals and overall personal success. Yeah, this is a good one. This one makes me think of, uh, I worked for a motorcycle. His name was Sergeant First Class Ramirez. He's retired now. He actually uh, retired last year as a mass sergeant. But what Ramirez was, he was a physical specimen. Like this guy just loved the gym. 
And in his 40s, he was still maxing the Army physical fitness test for the 21-year-old, you know, soldiers. Well, our platoon was only, I think, 19, 20 guys, soldiers. I'm sorry, soldiers overall. And out of that 19 or 20, there was 13 uh, Army physical fitness test maxes. So 300 out of 300 possible. And he was that example. He was showing them, if I can do it at 42, 43, you could do it at 25. You could do it at 21, you know? And that's what this makes always makes me uh, kind of think of. And then for my other mentor, Sergeant Major Wright, he used to ask me all the time, how's school going? And he would tell me, hey, you know, I turned in this paper in the rough draft. I got a 90. And I got to fix it for the final draft. Da, da, da. And I'll be like, yeah, I did this and this. And so he was sharing his personal goals and, and things he was doing. He was one of the first ones that got me to um, start staying after work when I was deployed to do homework instead of trying to do it on bad internet in my room. Mm-hmm. I, he was doing it and I was like, what are you doing? Uh, why are you staying so late? And he told me, I was like, you know, that's a good idea. Sergeant Ramirez to this day, I go to the gym at five o'clock in the morning. That's a habit I picked up from him and his example. So that's what I think of when I see this is those two gentlemen who have been mentors to me in the past mm-hmm. and their, their example, one professional, one personal. Exactly. It's a give it it's a it's the give and take thing I talked about earlier. You know, they're setting they're setting that example. Um and you're you're basically seeing it, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's we talked earlier about communication, right? And how communication is a is a needed thing and you have to be able to, you know, communicate back and forth. But sometimes just the visual is a communication, you know. For instance, if I see somebody and they're you know walking across a parking lot. And then I see them turn around and go back and pick something up. I think to myself, well, that, you know, that was a good thing to do, you know? And then later on, maybe I'm walking across and I see piece of trash and I'm like, oh, let me grab that. I'll pick that up. And it's kind of like a subliminal thing to me is because that other person who did it now, I feel like I have to do it. Right. So, I mean, and that's, I don't even have to know them, but it's a, sometimes we can communicate also through our actions only, and we don't have to have words connected to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, you know, Reveille and retreat, uh, when, when we're, when Reveille and retreat plays, we're supposed to stop, right. And we're supposed to acknowledge it, get out. If you're driving, if you're on base, you're supposed to get out and salute the flag. And sometimes you'll just see people driving, driving, driving. And then when you stop and get out, you'll notice other people start stopping. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's strange because you're like, you could have stopped on that side of the traffic light, but you crossed, then you saw me and then you stopped. And that's that same ripple effect that that you're talking about is, you know, they see you do the right thing Mm -hmm. and then they in turn say, well, I'm going to do the right thing because, you know, he's doing the right thing. Why can't I? Exactly. It's contagious. It really is. (laughs) I've run around the airfield sometimes, right? And the airfield's about a five mile run. And every single person that passes me, I look them in the face and I say, good morning. You know, just. And I just keep going. I don't stop to talk to him, but I make sure I engage every single one of them. And it's always funny because I can very seldom count on one hand how many people who don't reply back. Because normally they'll do the same thing back. Oh, what was that Star Major's name we had? Star Major Dvorsky. Yeah. I do that because of Star Major Dvorsky. So we're running I'm with my soldiers and he sees the formation and Star Major says, good morning. And one soldier didn't say good morning. And it turned into such a big 
like ordeal like canceling this soldier's pass and it was seen as disrespectful because everybody spoke but one disgruntled soldier and since that day if i'm passing somebody during pt or whatever like now if it's a 50 person formation probably not gonna say nothing (laughs) but if it's like onesies twosies like we were that day then yeah i'm gonna speak and then we talked about before i do it in the hallways now and i didn't used to but you know if i see a soldier hey how you doing i got one that one i talked about who i recommended the three meter zone to uh he walked by my office and he i think he is maybe having a bad morning and i seen him out of my peripheral vision and i said hey morning sergeant and he stopped and came back and says morning sorry hey how are you right and i said good how's your day going he says eh, not 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 yet it'll get there though and then he went on about his business so yeah, yeah so I, that's something i picked up from some major Dvorsky. yeah it's funny you said that about the whole somebody turned around and came back because that happened to me just the other day uh literally i was going through a doorway about to go down a hallway and somebody's talking to me um you know they're on my right side and then talk to me and I look up and there's one of our Katusas and Katusas they're they're basically uh they're rock army soldiers that are based they're they're attached to the US army so rock army soldiers are a little bit there but the Katusa he's he says good morning to me you know in in a very welcoming way and I'm still listening to the person beside me and I don't respond to him because I'm trying to hear what the, you know what I'm saying. So that whole, you can't talk and listen at the same time because I really want to hear what this guy is saying because it was important. And as we pass the threshold of that door or we go by that door, I stop and I say, hey, can you hold on just a second? I tell the guy beside, I say, just stop a second. And I, I swing the door open real quick and I said, hey, man, I am sorry you acknowledged me and I didn't acknowledge you. Good morning to you and I hope you have a great day. And then I walked back out and I just kept going on. But it's <laughs> funny you said that. <laughs> and that's that whole reflecting habits too, you know, personal habits, not just personal, but also professional habits. You, you have to be able to reflect them and it helps others set and meet their goals, right? So let's get into the next one. Number nine, values the opinions and initiatives of other. This one's important. Valuing the opinions and initiative of others. There's too many times that someone is trying to take on their, or they, they feel like they're taking on the role as the mentor and they think their way of going about it is the only way. So if somebody else jumps in and gives a solution or gives a, a way of doing things that's different than theirs, it's almost like they, I've seen it before so many times where they'll, they'll start, they'll start shooting holes through that person's and say, well, that's why my way is better. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, some yeah, because some people just can't check their own ego enough to be like, you know what, that is a good idea, you know. So let's try it uh, mm-hmm. a different way. Number nine, you know, it's I'm sorry, Brian, but I'm in one of those moods today. Values the opinions and initiatives of others immediately makes me think of teamwork makes the dream work. I don't know why. <laughs> There's a poster. I don't know why. But it's true. It's it's absolutely 100% true, right? And you can't have teamwork if I don't value the team. There's, a, there's something to be said about the rest of my team. And, I mean, I've probably gone through a lot to build that team and, and what have you. So um, to get to where my particular – so if we want to reach our sales uh, objective or our, our growth and customer uh, objective, well, I can't do it by myself. And maybe – that guy sitting in the corner who's only been here about six months, he may have some cr- really creative way that could possibly jump our numbers by 20%, right? But 
because I don't value anybody other than my own opinion, I'm going to miss that growth. And that's why this one here is very important as a mentor, all right? As a mentor to my team, I need to listen to them. They may have something like, you know what? That's an amazing idea. Let's institute that. And to tell you the truth, sometimes when you do value their opinions and initiatives, the mentor becomes the mentee. You know, it's 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 oh. an easy thing. You can learn from others in that way. And I'm telling you, sometimes it baffles me how people will cut down other people's stuff because I brought it up earlier. But at the same time, I'm in awe of how people will just accept opinions from others that are not really, and, and I guess this goes against the whole values. This is actually opposite of that, but it they will they will go with opinions and initiatives that are against values and morals and ethics because they think it's going to help them get ahead. It's being careful. That's why I'm glad. That's why I'm glad it said. You know, it says values the opinions and issues. I like to also. I I like to correlate when it, if I value you, I also have values within me to value you. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I like to measure it. What's being given off of my personal values or my professional values and ethics and morals and all that. So it, you have to be. I guess you have to be really careful because sometimes just because somebody says something. And, and let's say somebody outranks you, right? We're both enlist, senior enlisted guys, but uh, let's say it's a colonel, a Fulberg colonel. And there's, this isn't any particular one. I'm not. I'm just making this up. So I don't want anybody to think I'm like talking about anybody. It's not anybody. I'm just making it up. But a Fulberg colonel uh, says we should do X, Y, and Z this way because blah 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 blah. Uh, these certain aspects of it, I see this, and I want to be able. To, I want to be able to uh, make our fighting force work this. You know, this harder at this area because it'll it'll be better. And then you you think it once you start going through your head about it, and you think, well, did he really think that through? Because that requires this, and it requires that, and you may not be able to do this because you don't have this over here, and you got to do that, and you're like wow, I, I don't really think he thought that through, but everybody's shaking their head yes because they all want to agree with the boss. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> instead of like really thinking about his opinion and initiative a little bit and then maybe adding your piece to it to make it better, but people will just, you know, they do the head up and down nod and, and, and oh yeah, that's great boss. Yeah, good idea. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been lucky. So where I'm at now, there's a lot of opportunity for that kind of stuff. Like just agree with the boss. And I'll be honest with you, the the senior officers here, they're very open to listening to uh, their subordinates and, and, and the lower ranking captains and, and what have you. And uh, so it helps because let's be honest. I mean, they can't be at all places at all times. That's why this thing works. And, you know, so they, as mentors to these uh, junior officers, they can still learn uh, from their mentee. And sometimes in these meetings and stuff, you know, these junior officers aren't afraid. Some of them aren't afraid to step up and say, hey, sir, I mean, that could work, but I think this is a more viable course of action. And as long as they come with the five W's, you know, he'll listen. And he may be like, hey, you know what, that, that, I didn't think of that. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, and that happens a lot, believe it or not, in uh, in these meetings. And you know what I can tell you too? Um, an easy way to show that you value somebody's opinion and initiative, this is an easy way. It's it's a foolproof. If you do it, you'll get total credit for valuing somebody's opinion and initiative. Is actually listen to what they say, but then if you don't want to use everything, take elements of it 
and use it as part of whatever the solution is or whatever you need to do, say as a mentor or a mentee, and then credit them for it and say, you know, yeah, I really, to tell you the truth, I got this idea from such and such, you know, they brought it all up. Really, this is their idea. I just took all the elements of what they were talking about and I placed it in this and without them, we would never have been successful. Yeah. Yeah. Off the bat right there. You're creating a positive environment. You're valuing, you're, you're reinforcing how you value their opinions by using their opinions. Right. Um, and at the same time, you're building some credit there that, that whole paying the bill for leadership capital, you're building some leadership capital because now that they, now they trust you with what they had to say. And oh, let it be something that's said in private and then you do it and it works out well, right? And you give them the credit. Oh, wow. You're talking total, total credit um, or for that goes to them. That's going to build the environment uh, exponentially. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, you got everything is situational, right? Like here, you may get a senior person who's never been to Europe. But you have this captain who this is their second time in Europe and they've been here for two years now. They're probably going to have a better idea of how things operate. So when they go to these briefings and then you listen to them, you're going to learn about, hey, this is how things operate in the Netherlands or this is how things operate within Germany. And that, that senior officer or enlisted advisor, they, they gain some knowledge. So and all that is that's called rever- the reverse mentor. That's that's the type of mentor that is. Mm-hmm. Exactly, man. And that's it's very it's very key to being a mentor, and it's very key for the mentee to pay attention to. All right, so let's move on. We're going to move on to the last one, number ten, and I have a story to tell you for this one. All right, but before we get to that story, <laughs> motivates others by setting a good example. We talked about this yesterday. In, I said yesterday, we <laughs> talked about this last week when it comes to the mentorship elements that we had discussed, because one of those elements was motivation. So it says set a good example. When I was in high school, played high school football, there was this guy named Timothy Wright. Uh, he he had played like four, three or four years or three, three of the high school years was uh, soccer. And then his senior year, he decided he wanted to be a football player. And he was... He was very rugged, tough, fast. You can definitely tell it's like you you see him, you think, man, why didn't you just play football all of the years of high school instead of soccer? But he came out there to the practice one day and he had a piece of tape on his helmet and it, it said LBE. And he just all day. And at the very end of practice, he actually gave kind of a motivational little speech about it because he had talked to a coach about it. And the coach was like, yeah, yeah, you go ahead and put it on there. And then the coach pulled him out and said, hey, why don't you tell her what it is? And LBE meaning lead by example, right? Uh, now, this guy, this particular guy, I can tell you, I've always looked up to him. Uh, he's on my Facebook. And uh, he actually, he went to uh, West Point. He's a West Point grad. Uh, he's he's an off, He's still an officer in the, uh, in the services. I, I can't remember exactly his rank right now, but um, he also earned a doctorate from MIT. Um, extremely smart guy, like really smart. And he, I know, he, I want to say he's in the infantry branch. So, but he is, I mean, just phenomenal person. But every time I hear lead by example or, or set an example, I always, my mind goes back to him and how hard he always worked. He, it wasn't, he, everything was 100% with him. It was no sandbagging. 
you know, whether it be schoolwork, whether it be playing sports, um, he played on the basketball team, everything, he always went 100% or he always gave it his all. And I can tell you right now, like he is one of those people that motivates others by setting a good example. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's an excellent story for that particular thing of motivating with the example. Um, I was like, what's LBE mean? I was trying to figure it out at the beginning of your story, but yeah, no, that was a good story for that example, Brian. I, interesting. I, I'd be interested. Well, he's a West Pointer, so I, I'd be interested to see where he's at because, you know, they they are very competitive and they tend to advance at a rapid pace. So that'd be interesting. It's funny you said that about being very competitive. He, well, one, he was always competitive, but I just saw a post just recently. You know what? Now it reminds me. I think he's a battalion commander because um, he, they had a little competition. He has, he has it on his Facebook page. Um, and I mean, like they're getting after it, like straight up, like crazy wrestling and got to sling people outside the circle and all kinds of stuff. But you could like, he's in the mix of it. It's not like he's, like standing back watching his jokes, like he's literally head diving into people, throwing them out of this pit. You know, it's it's basically kind of like a no holds barred. Well, there are certain things you can do, but like a king of the mountain, but or king of the circle, whatever. And um, and this this is a recent photo too, and he's probably a year or two older than me, so uh, definitely a, he's a great guy. He's definitely infantry branch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You look him up sometime. You go through my go through my friends. You'll find him in there. Timothy Wright. He's a great guy. Unbelievable guy. Um, the funny thing is, is there was another kid that was on the team uh, that was his cousin. His name was Chris Wright. And Chris and Tim were both cousins, another distant cousin of an old squad leader of mine. I had no idea. We served in the same duty station together, the first duty station. Then we came to Korea together, and we were just talking one day. And he told me about his cousins from Maine. And I'm like, really? You got cousins from Maine? And then he told me their names. I'm like, are you, you're kidding me. The rights are your cousins? And it was just crazy that know that that was his cousin. And I'd known him for quite a few years. Well, I well, at least three years. And I'd finally found out who his cousins were. And I was like, this is insane, you know? So uh, down memory lane. Anyways, we just went through 10 qualities of good mentors slash mentees to find in them. Now what we have is we want to present the last piece of this, the last piece of the whole mentorship, mentee, mentor. And what it is, is it's dealing with, the responsibilities of each because there are responsibilities for each. So let's get right after it. Let's talk first for the, about the mentor. What are some of the responsibilities of the mentor, Ed? So responsibilities of the mentor. All right. The first one, Brian is going to start with assisting my mentee and identifying professional and personal growth goals and objectives. And we talked about that a little bit earlier, right? So we got them some direction. Uh, I also have to assist the mentee in establishing explicit goals and objectives for their, for the relationship. So we're going to talk about goals for us moving forward as a team, assist your mentee in developing and maintaining the mentoring agreement. So I didn't know what this was and I went and looked and basically what it is, there's some organizations with, you know, we talked about yesterday with mentorship programs and they also have agreements that they um, enforce when they have put these mentor mentor and mentee teams together for us. 
a few of these I would put to our developmental counseling, really, because we're going to sit down and develop your goals and we're going to have an agreement really on paper. So that's kind of what that is. A commit to meeting with the mentee on a regular basis and establish how and when those meetings will take place. This is another one that's kind of like us, right? So we, we counsel soldiers monthly and we counsel our NCOs, our non-commissioned officers quarterly. And that's when we talk about a, you know, these are the things we wanted to achieve. Here's what we did. Here's what we need to improve and move forward. Complete progress reports, regularly reassess the needs. You know, nothing stays the same. So if that that mentee that we're working with, maybe we have some other things. Maybe they've really excelled in one area and not so much in the other. So we may need to reassess the our goals and objectives for them. Uh, review our agreements reached in the mentoring agreement at regular intervals of the partnership. I think this kind of goes with the previous statement. And then this is big to me. Maintain the confidentiality of the relationship. I'm not going to, you know, have my mentee in and we're going to talk about these things and I'm going to go, Brian, this is ridiculous. You know what he wants to do? You know, he wants a Porsche in a year. Like, that's nobody else's business. That's something we're talking about. So those are just a quick overview of some of the responsibilities of the mentor. And I feel like we really don't have to dive deep down into the detail because really we've been talking about it over the last two episodes here and there, every one of those things. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the what I'm going to cover here are the responsibilities of the mentee. I think this is a key aspect that both are going to need to know and it can, should be shared openly. <clears throat> so first, prepare a list of your career goals and objectives to share with your mentor. So the mentor can't just pull this stuff straight out of the air. You have to be able to share with them, you know, what those goals are and the objectives so they understand to know where to go from that spot. Uh, also establish with the mentor your explicit goals and objectives for the relationship. All right. So what do you want from this relationship? What, uh, and you don't always have to say that, but then again, it's nice to kind of understand, Hey, what we're doing here, right? Uh, assist in developing the mentoring agreement with your mentor. Building agreement, is, you know, by yourself is not the way to go. It, that's why when we do our counselings, we kind of have a, a shell or an outline of where we want it to go, but it's a discussion. That way, both sides have an understanding of what, what's going on here, and you're building off of that, especially during the plan of action or what we call the plan of action because it's because that's where it's kind of like, all right, this is what we're going to do from the point you're at now, right? Uh also, commit to meeting with a mentor on a regular basis. So you mentioned this earlier also for the mentor. But to me, committing to meeting with the mentor on a regular basis is not the same as like, all right, well, we're going to have this same little appointment all the time. But it's literally uh, trying to talk to that person as much as you can or trying to get involved with them enough. So you're, you're actually pulling feedback from them. And it could be randomly. You know, it doesn't matter. So establish how and when those meetings take place or tell your mentor how you prefer to get feedback. That's another thing. So some people communicate differently. All right. Complete progress reports and regularly reassess needs. Same thing as you said earlier, but on the opposite side of things is understanding that. That's where I'm getting from it too is now if I receive a progress report or, or an assessment of what's going on, I have to be able to understand it. So I need to communicate back or maybe reflect the information um, by back briefing or whatever it needs to be to the mentor of what I'm, I'm taking from it and knowing where to go. 
uh, be proactive in requesting feedback. That's that is a big one. Requesting feedback is huge because if you're if I'm if I'm somebody who's giving you direction and all that and 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 training and whatnot, and it seems like everything is going well, and you never ask me for a feedback or ask me something that I'm. I'm being led to believe that everything's going well and you'll do fine unless I see something that I was like, wait, that doesn't seem right. But, but if you ask me for feedback on, Hey, do you mind assessing on this? Or do you mind uh, talking to me about this? Because I really need some feedback on it. Cause I'm not sure if I'm doing it right now. I know uh, review agreements reached by the mentoring agreement at regular intervals of the partnership. So if you made some type of agreements, if you were doing one of those formal type deals, you got to review that. And it's just to make sure you're hitting certain waypoints. Keep an accurate record of your development and progress. See, that one, too many people, and I see even in the services where uh, people don't take good records of their own development and progress. It's expected of the other person. You see it yourself even, at Like uh, an NCR comes to do, and the person who's being the raider for the NCOER or the non-commissioner evaluation report, they're expected to know everything about that, that person being rated. And it's like, whoa, 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 not you, what do you have? What have you done? You know, I, I love, I like to throw questions out to that person and get them to answer those questions. One, it kind of shows me that they're, they're involved in their career. Two, it shows that they're some, they have some type of knowledge uh, they may have recorded of their development and progress. So read and listen to your mentor's comments carefully and be open to different perspectives. That's another key one, because if you stay in from your perspective all the time and you don't try to take yourself out of that and maybe from a different angle or different view of it, or just in your mind, think, okay, if I was such and such, how would I have taken this? That's that's a big piece because you may see something different from what you're learning from your mentor. You, it, it, because sometimes when it's coming straight at us, we don't realize it. We don't see the forest because of the trees, right? And then finally, maintain the confidentiality of the relationship. That's key. Um, you mentioned it a second ago, but as the mentee, why do you maintain the confidentiality of the relationship? Well, because... Uh, there's also something called professional jealousy, mm. and that is a real thing. I've seen it, and I can tell you that it can also create uh, animosity among a group, a team, or anything. Now, as let's say if it's a mentor over a group of five people within a section of some type of organization, that that mentor should be mentoring all the people that works for them. Now, if one is showing that there's some favoritism there. And, and not being confidential about some of the, the relationship there, it's going to turn it basically it's going to turn into like they're going to gang up on that one person or they're not going to want to work so well for the, the one who's in charge. So, all right. So those are the responsibilities of both the mentor and the mentee. Um, and we've just discussed last episode mentorship and we went over eight elements. And today we talked about the mentor themselves and the mentee. Ed, what are your thoughts, man? Well, I'm going to provide a little tip. I swear we're going to have to we're going to have to eventually maybe start paying the bearded ninja. I don't know how this is going to work out, but here's another tip that I got from uh the bearded ninja for you're talking about keeping an accurate record of your development and progress. So what he has you do because at one point he was my raider is he has you draft an email uh but don't send it. 
keep it in your, you know, in your drafts folder or whatever folder you got there. And each time you do stuff that you feel like should be on your evaluation or that you'd like to talk about during your evaluation, you add it to this email. And then at a certain amount of time out from your evaluation being due, he would tell you, now email me that, send me that email. And that would help him. So for like your quarterly counseling sessions with him, you would send him this email and that would help him to develop. And it helps you to not have to sit there and go, well, what else did I do? I know I did something else because you have a working copy all the time. Just something that he gave me that um, I actually have a draft email right now to my Raider in my uh, Outlook account. And I add to it every time I, you know, I do any kind of um, briefing mission, whatever stuff that would, could go in my evaluation. So it's something I got from him. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good method. I, I like that. And to tell you, that's the first time I heard of that. I never heard that one. Really? He never, yeah, yeah, he never no, talked. That was his thing. Draft that's it cool. and don't send it and just keep adding to it. And then send it. He'll tell you, hey, I got to type up your quarterly counsel and send me that email and you'll send it to him. And he'll put that in your quarterly. And then at the end of the year, he'll say, all right, now send me the uh, one for the whole year. Yep. Yeah. And then you have, and then actually you have a record also uh, that you always go back to. That's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that may yeah. get stolen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I felt like these, these past two shows, it, it was, it was a lot of information. Um, it was a lot of discussion upon, you know, with you and I, so that, that made it a big thing. Um, I definitely could say that, from all that information, what I'm gathering is just like I said in the beginning, it's a relationship and there has to be a lot of communication Yes, and understanding. Yes. So yeah, definitely. Um, so task wise, I got a task going on here. So last week for the episode 33, which was the mentorship show, we, we asked about what your personal uh, definition of mentorship and was and Uh, Do you have any additional elements you wanted to add to it? This week is very similar to that in a sense, but we're actually going to focus on the mentor and the mentee is because we talked about the different, all the qualities, the 10 qualities. My question to you is what's a, what's a quality we may not have hit upon for the mentor slash mentee that could be a good aspect to really like, wow, you know what? Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely awesome. Something that's going to help other listeners also. So think about yourself as being the mentor for a moment in this and answer. What are, what's another quality not mentioned in this week's show Interesting. that others could learn from? I'm here racking my brain right now, Brian. Thinking. <laughs> I, I can't think of any right now at all off the top of my head, <laughs> but give me, give me about 10, 15 minutes and I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah, I didn't think about this one or that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with that, um, Ed, you got much, anything left for the, uh, the audience? 101 influence at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, go out there and look for us. Uh, also the, uh, instinctive influencers.com website. Uh, the website's there for you to review and read, uh, look over. So those type of things, we, we appreciate any support that we can get from, uh, those different avenues. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you on this week's tasking. I have a tasking as well. Oh, you do? For you, Brian. What is it? Your tasking is to complete review of that book that we discussed so that we can look at possibly doing a book show again. And uh, I need you to review that so we can record it. So I just felt like, you know, we task our listeners all the time. 
I wanted to task you this week. Way to go, buddy. Um, I'm on <laughs> the book, so whenever you're ready. <laughs> no, you have to you have to review and make your notes now, though. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 I'll definitely get on that. Uh, yeah, so hey, Nick and I, I'm pretty sure this is the next show we're gonna do. Um, uh, it's basically we're gonna go over a book that Ed recommended to me. Um, because he listens to another podcast, the Lead Lead X podcast, is it Ed? The Lead X podcast with Kevin Cruz. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so the book that we're actually going to cover, and we're going to do a review, we're going to do a chapter by chapter. Um, it's 10 chapters total. We're each going to review five chapters, bounce back and forth, and we'll both be talking about it. But uh, it's called Great Leaders Have No Rules. Kevin Cruz wrote it. The Contrarian Leadership Principles to Transform Your Team and Business. And I will tell you, I've already been through it uh, tw- no, three times. I've listened to it three times, and I've looked it over once. Um, and I will tell you, there are tons of information in there. Just great ideas, great insight. I, I almost feel like as if though Kevin Cruz is personally mentoring me right now. That's how good it is. Uh, but great book. Um, informally. Yeah, informally. I can't wait till we discuss it, man. I think I think it's going to be a good discussion. I think listeners are going to like it themselves, and they're probably going to end up buying the book. Um, whether it be because I got the Kindle version, and you got their, you have the, actually the hard copy. Yeah, I got the hard copy. I actually pre-ordered it when I heard about it. So yeah, I got the hard copy. Yeah, so we. I'm supposed to pre-order something else. So we we <laughs> may want to uh, make sure that both of our copies match up, unlike last time, huh? <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll verify. That. Oh, that's what Mr. Sinek has a new book that is coming out in July, just so that you know, Brian. Is it July or uh, I was looking at pre-ordering yesterday. Is it July or October? What's that? The Infinite Game. I think it's July. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. July, so. Yeah, I haven't. That may be a future episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't pre-ordered it yet, but I, I, I'm definitely going to I'm gonna pick it up because I love his work. I love what he does. Um, he is also what I someone I consider to be a mentor. Um, and understanding things, uh, just, just how he, I guess it's just how he talks about things, but all right. I think we've discussed enough today and listeners are probably wondering if we're, if I'm ever going to shut up. So with that, <laughs> I don't think they are. Our <laughs> listeners aren't rude. Oh no. We have a lot of Canadian listeners. They're not rude. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know very many Canadians, but okay. Uh, other than <laughs> your wife, um, but hey, it's been great. Thank you very much for the support. Ed mentioned the Facebook. He's mentioned everything else earlier, so I don't need to reiterate. But hey, go on there, check it out, do the task. Without further ado, I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. We thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.